Hustlers Quit, a podcast about change, the challenges of improving your career, making tough decisions, and starting something awesome. It's hard to believe that this is our 100th episode. My name is Dan Benjamin. It is Friday, September 16th. It's 3.27 p.m., and as the saying goes, it's always 3.27 p.m. somewhere. Hattie Cook, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you. How are you doing? What's oh, going lovely. On we just listened to some good old fashioned soundboards. Yeah, before the show, <laughs> we were listening. I went and found the old soundboard configured just the way that it used to be, and we used to play. We used to have shows that allowed for sound bites on them. This was one we used to play it on this show too. The main one that we played here. Put that coffee down. Very good. Retro. We used that use that one a lot. I don't remember any others that we used to use on this show. But always that be was closing, probably. Always be closing. Probably anything from Glenn. Yeah, Gary, I think you're else. right. But uh, we went through a bunch of them. And, and the reason we did that is because we have a special guest on the show today. Hello. That is, uh, is Maggie, who's given us a very specific... We can't call her intern, Maggie. Technically, she's not an intern anymore. That's true. She's beyond that. I'm... In between, she's in, she's. I mean, would an intern wear that shirt? I don't. This is a so. great it's shirt. The best shirt. Now, Hattie, could you describe seen. the shirt that we're yes. looking at on on Maggie? If if I think it, it's a uh, a lovely field of sunflowers, uh, yes. painting, but on a shirt, and it's got it's really bedazzled beadwork. Yeah, it's. I don't know how old it is. I don't know what decade this is from, but I is it, it like a vintage? Like you got it at a thrift. Yeah, type? I got it at a thrift store. So it's legit. Like my it grandmother is. could have worn that shirt for all you know. My mom probably has worn this shirt. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, Maggie is a millennial, and that's why we have her here today. Yep, she's representing all millennials, and everything she says will be true and accurate for all millennials. <laughs> exactly. So if you've if you've ever wondered about the millennial take, uh, we've got Maggie. Ask we've me got anything. her here, so she can be asked anything. And uh, we do actually have some topics that are millennial topics and uh, and other <laughs> millennial things. So, topics, millennial Snapchat, topics, Snapchat, you know, Snapchat. all the regular stuff. Yeah, but you know what? We really, Hattie, even though technically, I guess you you would be a millennial. I am. I think you're you're different from the rest of them, of those kinds of people. In some ways. Yeah. But then in other ways. But like there's things that you'll tell me, I'll like, what are they, like, we'll look at, I'm as confused as I think non-millennials are of some things. But I think millennials can also be confused about things that millennials are doing. Maggie's here to clear it all up. Yes, I am. She got the new thing of messages. So I've been everything I send to her is with lasers now. I told you lasers is the best. Yeah, one. I'm a little confused by it. Yeah, still, but I'm figuring it out. You know, it's it's, uh, and this is not a show where we talk about Apple or anything. We can adjust that, Mike, if it's wrong. I'm good. Okay, uh, but I don't. I think I think messages is clearly designed to be more like a like a Snapchat kind of experience. Well, to pull you in and let you do more with it, because I feel like. Things like Snapchat and Facebook Messenger and things like that, you had more flexibility. And then messages was just like, oh, I can type or send a picture. Right. There was that was it. That's all you could really. And then they added a little boring. bit of audio stuff to it. It yeah. is boring. But those features, I think, are they're appealing to me as someone in his 40s. I think they're appealing to Maggie and, and you as people in their 20s. Uh, but it's it's clearly it, to me it feels like a response and the, again we're Very not going to do so. be doing a tech show but it's interesting and it's worth noting I think to say that even a company as big as Apple understands that the, its future is not with people like me guys in their forties it's with it's with people like like you Maggie who are going to get hooked so hooked on the Apple experience hooked now on the in in your twenties that you couldn't po- and this is their goal you couldn't possibly consider using something that wasn't Apple in your 30s, 40s, and beyond, and for your children and their great-great-great-grandchildren. Well, I don't know about that. You know, no? I'm already considering making some changes. Really? Yeah. I'm actually, like, deciding between the iPhone 7 yeah. and going back to a dumb phone. Oh. So I'm kind of up in the air about that. Now, you've done some interesting things. We can talk about this on the show. I think this would be apropos for, for our 100th episode. Yeah. Is one of the themes as I I went back and I don't know what you did, Hattie, to celebrate our hundredth episode. I know you've been hard at work on um, you have some prepared notes and things like that that you've done, but one of the things that I did to sort of celebrate Super prepared one of the things that I've done to celebrate this hundredth episode was to go back and re-listen to each prior episode. Oh yeah, yeah, twice. When did you do that? I've been doing that each morning. Huh. And just to re-familiarize myself with mm-hmm. where, how the show has evolved, but also what our themes have been 
uh, over these hundred episodes. And one of the big themes I think that we've expressed here is that the, I guess you could say the challenges that we all face in dealing with whatever our current situation is. And we've kind of focused more on the work side of it, but we've also kind of gone into personal stuff as well. A lot of the, the listeners so. who have called in and written in, and we sure do have a stack of, uh, of emails to go through. But they write in and they, and they basically say, I've got this problem. I'm trying to overcome it. I'm trying to move to a new stage in my life. And it's interesting that we, we don't, I think we as people often have to, we feel compelled to sort of mark our, uh, mark our progression through life with some kind of milestone. Yeah. And I've talked with Merlin on Back to Work a lot about things like, um, things like New Year's resolutions, for example, which are really a bad idea and you always wind up breaking them. You're setting yourself up for failure, usually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and what always surprises me is that whenever I receive one of these letters from someone who's saying, I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm, you know, I'm 35 years old. I'm supporting a family of three. And, you know, I really hate my job and I want to become a web designer. And I feel like it's the right thing for me and it'd make me happy. If you really think about that, if you were to write it down and read it back, you'd say, am I nuts? I have to support the family. I can't just quit my job and hope to make it. You know, right. I've got to have something lined up. Uh, but if you, so one of the practices that I've found useful for myself in, in writing things is, is writing things down. And I would say, and so here's a little life hack for you, Maggie, and for anyone else who's going through life and uh, encountering something. Needing to hack. Needing, needing to hack their life. All right. This is my number one life hack. It's been the most helpful thing I think that I've ever done second to like having a meditation practice, which is a lot to ask for for people because people aren't, they're not very, including me, I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers. Okay. I'm guilty of this, Maggie. Don't look at me like I'm a, a God. I know it's easy to think that, but I'm, I'm just a regular person like you. And I, I am a very, very disciplined person, but even for me, it's easy to fall out of trying to create a new habit, to fall out of things like that. And what I find has been so helpful for me is writing everything down, that whether it's a goal that you have or something that's stressing you out or something like that. So if you've ever been laying there at night and you can't sleep because you get something going through your head, this is a wonderful technique. You would say, you know what? Go over to your little, your little appointment book and write, you know, you could you could do one thing, which is to say, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to sort of journal on this now. That's fine. But another way to do it is say, you know what, this thing that's keeping me up at night, I don't want to be kept up at night by this. I want to think about it when, when during the day when I'm awake, not now when I should be asleep. So I'm going to write this down. I'm going to make an appointment with myself tomorrow, eight o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock at night, whatever it is, but just during the daytime. Make an appointment for yourself and say, I'm going to think about this then. I'm going to worry about it then. I'm going to do that while I'm awake during the day. Right? I'm not busy trying to do something else. Because what happens is we tend to ignore things during the day. We tend to kind of push them off and make ourselves busy with something else and make it so that we feel like we don't have to, we don't have to worry Kind now. of distract ourselves Just, from yeah, it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I got stuff to do. I don't, I don't want to do that right now. So what happens it comes up at night when you're trying to sleep. It's no good. But if you take this a step further... And you start doing that with m more things in your life. So not just things that worry you to keep it from bothering you at night or to reschedule that worry for a time when you, but you got to commit. That's the other thing. You got to commit to doing it. If right. you schedule, I'm going to think about this at eight o'clock, like give yourself 15 to 30 minutes to think about it and follow it through. You don't have to resolve it in that time, but that's right. when you're going to think about it. That's when you're going to uh, evolve those thoughts. Let that stress out. Right. Of. So the same thing is true, though, for setting goals for yourself, s describing a scenario that you're in, describing a problem, writing down a fear or a concern. All of these things are incredibly important to, to write it down. So, for example, let, let's say you, uh, you're feeling bad about yourself because you hate your job. Let's just say that. You, you think you have the worst boss in the whole world. And you uh, feel like you can never get out of this situation. So re re go to your journal, a private journal. Don't do this. I don't recommend doing it on a computer, Maggie. Don't do it on <laughs> People computer. People can copy and paste. You don't right? want to do that. So write it in your per personal private journal. And you'd write down in the journal, I have the worst boss in the world. I hate this place. I feel like this is never going to end. It's never 
this is this is the rest of my whole life. I suck. Now, if you were to then read that out loud to yourself or think of a friend of yours saying that right. to you, what would your natural response be? It really sucks that you have a boss that you don't like. Start taking steps to find a new place to work. But you know what? This isn't forever. It's temporary. Nothing is forever. Right. And you the realize there seems so obvious when it's not you that's feeling right. it or when it's just locked up inside of you. But it's so easy to get caught up in that dialogue, that internal dialogue where you start beating yourself down and beating yourself down and beating Snowball yourself down. Effect. You don't even realize it. You don't even realize that you've pushed yourself into this super negative, depressed kind of a place. And then you, the, you what you can't do, though, is you can't just say to yourself, oh, don't think like that. Right. You can't do that. That doesn't work. Have you ever seen someone who's had a headache? Well, just think about something else. Don't worry about your headache. It'll go. No, you need to do something with it. That's probably a bad analogy. But the, the point that I'm trying to make is when you have created this habit of negative self-talk, of beating yourself up about something, you need to replace that with a positive habit. So what would you say to somebody if they came to you and said, I'm going to be stuck in this dead end job forever? You said, no, you're not. Nothing is forever. Well, you you would write that down. Nothing is forever. You can make positive changes in your life to do it. And and, and you write it. So then that becomes a script for you. So whenever you find yourself going into this negative thought process, you then read back to yourself. You can read it out loud too, if you're not, if no one will think you're crazy. You can read it back out to yourself. And this becomes a script that you read to yourself every day. You can record it and play it back to yourself. Like whatever, these things seem like really silly. And you're listening to me saying this, you're like, I don't like, I don't need that crap. That's stupid. I'm not, I'm not going to write it down. But I know what you mean, Dan. No. Writing like, things down is Actually write proven. it down and yeah. actually read it back to yourself. There is something magical that happens when you hear yourself or voice somebody telling you something. Right. It, it, it sinks in in a very different way. I want you to try it the next time you run into trouble. Well, and kind of the opposite of that, in a way, is write, like you said, write your goals down in a place where you can see them every single day. That's really, really helpful. Like put it on a, you know, post-it note on your fridge. Didn't you have like, flashcards you were doing something with at yeah, one point? Yeah, like little, I like a little I thought that was really cool. book and I thought that was cool that I could just grab it and flip to a page that was either positive or mo- motivational or a goal that I had and just to remind myself and I like that. Yeah. yeah. Putting but, sticky notes on your ne- on your mirror. Oh yeah, yeah. that's really good. And these things sound silly, but they really work. They, they really, really, really work. Writing it down, hearing it out loud, and not, super important. And not just saying like, oh, I hope to read a book every day or every day, <laughs> every every month, a book a month or something like that. Like, write down like, I will do it. And seeing that is very, very different too, instead of just like a hope. Yeah. So yeah. we've got, I've got some good links here, Hattie. Uh, one that I think... It's fortuitous that we have Maggie, Maggie the Millennial, in the studio with us. This is a New York Times article that came out in August. And the title of the article is How Millennials Became Spooked by Credit Cards. And it shows a photograph of uh, a gentleman serving a coffee. And he's got the little iPad on the Square app thing, little spinner, so you can add your tip and all that. And it, oh. shows, it shows a woman paying for the coffee with a credit card. And I'm assuming that the woman here is, in fact, Rebecca Liebman, 23, a founder of the financial literacy site Learn Lux. It says here that she got a credit card this year only to build up her credit history. Uh, the article is by Nathaniel Popper. No relation to Ben Popper. No relation. And I'll just, I'll read the intro so you get the feeling of this. Yeah. Okay. Now, I'm not adding this. This is what he says on the screen. Kids these days, they aren't just pulling out the plastic like they did in the past. Data from the Federal Reserve indicates the percentage of Americans under 35 who hold credit card debt has fallen to its lowest since 1989, when the Fed began collecting data in a standardized way. Before that, they didn't, I guess, collect any valuable data. 
Some older Americans have also been shedding credit card debt since the financial crisis that began in 2008. But for no other age group has a decline in proportion holding credit card debt been more rapid than it has been for young Americans, often referred to as millennials. It's quote, quote, it's pretty clear that young people are not interested in becoming indebted in the way their parents are or were, said David Robertson, the publisher of the Nielsen Report, a newsletter that tracks the payment industry. And they go on to speculate why this uh, this might have happened. But the downside of this is, uh, they say, and here's Gregory Elihausen, an economist at the Federal Reserve specializing in consumer finance, says, it will probably take them longer to get access to credit. In the meantime, their behavior and some of their habits will have already been formed. And what they're basically saying is, younger people have been sitting on the sidelines. They've been uninvolved in getting credit cards, not involved in, but now when I I had my first credit card, I think I was about 16, 17 years old. And I, uh, I think it was like, like a chase visa card or something like that. And I used it very, very, very occasionally. And I had grown up where my mom didn't ever want to spend money on anything. So we, we grew up without any money at all. We were basically pretty poor growing up. We didn't want to spend any money. And so like she never like really bought anything. And anything that she did buy, she would only buy it if there was money for it. Uh, because I think she knew how close we were to the edge. So instead of amassing credit card debt by saying, oh, you know what, let's go buy a new sofa, let's go buy a new... We never did that. We just keep the old one. Smart. And if she was going to use her credit card... It would say, well, I don't want to carry $350 cash to go buy new tires right. for the car. So we'll charge that. But when the bill but comes, immediately pay, it immediately pay it off. Right. Mm-hmm. And when I got my little credit card, I use it as the same way. It's more convenient than cash. It was essentially right. what you think of as a charge card, like an American Express card, which is when you get that American Express bill, uh, unless it's one of the American Express's credit cards. But a charge card is simply, I can't be bothered to carry cash around. Right. I don't, I just find touching cash distasteful. <laughs> Therefore, here's my gold or Plastic. platinum or black card. And then and that's how you pay. But when the bill comes, it's you're paying 100% of that every month. You can't not do it. And I think I treated a credit card that way. I've never had any credit card Treated it more like a debit card in a way. Yes. That's a great way to say it. Yeah. That's what I do. I've had a credit card since I was about 17, 18. Why have you had one? To build credit. My mom told me when she helped me sign up that as soon as I buy something, whether it be groceries or gas, Mm -hmm. pay it back that day or by the end of the week. So that's what I've done. And you you don't have any credit card debt? No credit card debt. So so smart. Do you ever find that it is... Like, have you, have you ever felt tempted? Is there a temptation to say, oh, screw it, I just want that PS4 or whatever millennials buy. And you want to go out and buy, you know, an Xbox or a new car and just like, screw it. I'm, you know what? I'm going to just go get it. I don't care. Not really. Because I mean, like, I'm kind of a, afraid of having credit card debt in a yeah. way. I don't want to, like, be in that really stressful position. Right. Um. So I'll only like I'll take it when I'm going out downtown or something mm-hmm. because like you said it's it's better than carrying around cash right, or something. Right. Um but I mean I'm not gonna go spend spend it on something that I really want. It's it's an emergency card, you know. Right. That's smart. Hattie, I I'm gonna ask you a question. Yes. What do you think in uh in the United States as a whole as a whole? Uh what do you think household debt is? If you were to take all, all Americans and say, what's your debt? Oh, man. And add that up. I'll give you a hint. It's a big, big, big number. But what do you think it is? It's a billion with a B. I know that. You sure about that? Yeah. You're going with that. I would assume. Measured in the billions. What about you? You mean like collectively? Collectively. Everybody? Every American's debt added up. Um, I'd say in the trillions. Okay, it is in the trillions. It's twelve point two nine trillion. Oh my gosh! It is increased in in the second quarter of twenty sixteen. It increased by thirty five billion. 
Uh, this is credit cards, this auto loans, but most of it's credit Probably, cards. Really? Yeah. And probably student loans. Definitely I mean, student loans. It, yeah. it, but it's just, you know, it's and crazy. I certainly understand student loans. And that's one of these things where I, I absolutely understand people want to get a college degree. They don't have tens of thousands of dollars to spend on it. Of course. But that that's a completely different thing because that's not a frivolous thing. That's like... Oh man, like I want to better myself. It. I want to go to college. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to come out with a degree and yeah, I know I'm going to have this huge thing that I'm going to pay off later on, you know, carrying around but but that's not what most of this is. Most of this is credit cards. Credit cards. But what are you supposed to do if you your washing machine breaks in your house and you don't have enough money to fix it in your bank account? Are you dumb because you haven't been saving money? Well, that's an argument people could make. But there is this cycle that people so often get into where they get a little bit behind. Something happens. Yep. And, and, and for whatever reason, there is a crisis, there is a problem, they get a little bit behind. I'm very sympathetic to that. And they get a little bit behind and then, and then something happens where- It's like you can't quite it, like make you said up before, that snowballs. little deficit. Yeah. And then it snowballs because then while I'm, I, I, I can only afford to pay the minimum balance on this. Oh, that's a nightmare. And then it just grows. And whenever I hear someone's there like, oh, I got like 10K of debt. I'm like, that sucks, you know? Yeah. But there are ways out of that. You can, one of the, one of the ways that they, they, they have now is you can open up one of these credit cards that allows you to move money into that credit card at a much lower interest rate. But man, those come with risks too. Because yeah. if you miss a payment on that, boom, you lost your, uh, you lost your discounted time period. Now you're up at, even maybe higher than you were before. Like this is risky. So millennials, they're sitting this out. They're saying, you know, I don't want any part of this. Well, I think we're spooked. Yeah, they're spooked. I think a lot of uh, a lot of our parents probably scared us about oh, yeah. credit cards. You know, like never be in debt, never be in debt, and only buy what you know you can afford. So, I mean, I think it's probably, you know, whatever baby boomers and what is it, Gen X? Xers? Yeah, yeah. But this is the thing, is that there is almost no other way to build a credit history. Right. No way for you to build that credit history unless you use a credit card. And people who don't understand what a credit history is, it simply means you are borrowing money from your credit card and you're paying it back in a timely fashion. You borrow money and you pay it back. That helps them determine what kind of a risk you are. And they actually want you to do this with multiple credit cards. They love right, people who carry I run a big my, balance. Um what is it? Lifelock or something? Yeah. yeah. It's always like you don't have enough debt. You don't have enough credit cards. Right. You don't have. The like, only how? W- <laughs> you get to a certain point where the only way that you can increase your credit, uh, your, your credit score is by owing money to the credit card companies. <laughs> so Because that's how our economy is. This is what our economy yep. is based on in this country. <sighs> only too confusing. Only oh, yeah. 37% of American households headed by someone younger than 35 had credit card debt in 2013. It takes them a while to tabulate all this data. More recent data is saying that millennials are using credit card cards less than people of a similar age did in the past, and they're taking on fewer auto loans and mortgage loans than people of a similar age did before the financial crisis. Hattie, we had lunch with someone today who was in his, would you say it was late, late 40s, early yeah. 50s? He doesn't own a house. He's never owned a house. I owned my her first house at age 23. Yeah. What was I thinking? But it worked out well for me. Right. I've always loved real estate, and I knew it was a great investment at the time. I've also uh, unfortunately owned a home in Florida when the real estate crash happened and lost money, but it wasn't near anywhere near the money that I made. I bought my first house when I was 23 years old, Maggie. It was $100,000, about 110000 like 107, I think, and I sold it two or three years later for about 140 something thousand. That's good. Yeah. $40,000 in about three years. At twenty, at twenty three years old, twenty four, yeah. That's... What What do you think I did with the money? Spent it, right? I did. I spent it <laughs> yeah. on, on a new house. Smart. And then that one, I made more than twice as much profit on just by living in the house at a time when it was very good to own real estate. The third one, not the same story. I lost some money on that one, but that's how I was spending my money because I knew, it, or at least I thought I knew, and I was lucky that I turned out to be right because the climate was really good for home ownership then. But 
that was the kind of gamble or risk that I was willing to take. But again, like I was not, I was never willing to spend money. I was always terrified to spend money on anything. And I would agonize over really, really small incidental kind of purchases. So what do you do, Maggie, if you want something? What do you do? How do you, how do you do wait? Do you save up for it? Do you just do without? It depends on what it is. Recently, I've been only buying things that I have on my list of things that I want. That's so smart. You know, because I'll go to Target, for example, right, and you like, know what happens when you're in Target. The $100 that, store. The hundred, right. Yeah. And you're like, I'll just get a couple tops. I know, and They're everything like seems, yeah, you, you think that you need it. You see um, all these kitchen supplies, and you're like, oh. Uh, Little candles. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's my downfall. Tar- Target is my downfall. It's yeah. it's the little things. I'll buy little things at a time sometimes mm-hmm. and kind of splurge. Um, and then I'll go to the, the checkout and have $100 worth of things. So right. I've stopped doing that recently by just making a list at home. Um, I'll have like a list of things I want, things I need. And then when I go out to the Put store. Put like blinders on. Right. Like, Got to. Like go fast, buy the clothes. Mm-hmm. Don't look. <laughs> Yeah, and I just stick to the list, and that that really helps me. Yeah, but um, for big purchases, <laughs> like I bought a bike recently, nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll do a lot of research before I go and buy right, something. Right, mm-hmm. and sometimes if I'm unsure, I'll wait. Yeah, yeah, it's not you gonna know, go away. <laughs> I feel like I feel like this whole accumulation of 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 debt. I feel like I mean, I know it happened before this, but I feel like the '80s. When you had the dinks, you ever heard the term dink? No. Double income, no kids. Never heard of that. Yeah, before. dink. That's just normal now. Right. But that That's was just weird. Regular back then. people. <laughs> like if if you were if it was in the eighties or nineties and you were married and not in the process of having a family and starting a family, like that was a new phenomenon. In my mom's time period, she waited to have me till she was twenty six. She was a grandmother's age when she had me compared to her friends who were having late teens, early twenties. They were in college right out of college. If, if they even went to college at all and just starting a family right straight away, she was really weird that she waited till she was 26 to have me. That was like the same thing. You're a dinosaur. What are you doing? It's the complete opposite now. Yeah. 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 If, if people are like, when they're like 33, they're like, kids, what are you talking about? Married your high school sweetheart? <laughs> right. I'm just, like, I'm who just are getting you? started. It's 33. Right. I haven't even done anything yet. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Because people are much healthier than they are today, yep. because their diets are better and they're living longer and we have better health care and we have uh, better treatment and we have everything. That, people aren't retiring as early. They're not, people right. enjoy working. <laughs> and that age, age 35 to have your first kid, that's not a big deal. Not a big deal at all. I remember well, I had by a 30, teacher. Then you kind of have like, you've got everything down now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like just 22. Like, I remember a teacher who was maybe in her mid thirties when I was in grade school and it was like a big deal. She was like having a kid like, oh, it's oh, pretty is everything risky. Gonna be okay? so you better right. bed rest for your old. <laughs> yeah. Like they put her on bed rest. Because <laughs> she was 30. Because she was 35 <laughs> years old having a child. Like it was like, and I remember thinking, oh my, like, oh my God. Like I was probably ten or eleven years old. I'm like, oh my I god! Hope like, she lives. yeah, I hope she makes it. I don't remember if she made it or not. Let me tell you about our first sponsor. It's Linode. Linode. That's where we, Hattie. That's where we host. Yeah. And the new Fireside.fm, the podcast hosting company that I just uh, just launched. I've been working on it for a year. That's on Linode too. Oh, duh. I don't know what a better endorsement for Linode would be. These people better be happy. With this spot, because what's a better endorsement than I host on there? I host everything on there. You know, Maggie, they say don't put don't put all your eggs in one basket. Ever heard that expression? I have. Linode has their own expression: don't put all your eggs in one basket unless the it's basket Linode. is Linode. Yeah, that's actually they're going to have to run with that. I'm just <laughs> an idea guy, but they can use that. But they've got it all: lightning quick servers in the cloud, super fast, forty. GPS network, automated backups, node balancers, managed services, guides with step-by-step instructions, everything that you want, a simple but powerful control panel. You can like reboot your servers and upgrade them. You can clone them. When I was setting up this stuff, I had to make sure that these servers were going to be identical once I had it like perfectly set. So what do you think I like took notes and like went through and set them all up exactly the same way every t- No, 
I just cloned the server. I said, okay, this one's done. Clone, boom. Now I had another duplicate server, stood up. It took about five seconds to do it. It was amazing. But if all you want to do is just get a shell account, you just want to launch your Rails app, you want to try learning PHP, you want a place to put your files, whatever it is, Linode's got it. 99.9% uptime, 24-7 support experts. You got it. And now Linode offers two gigs of RAM for only 10 bucks per month. Yep. Join over 400,000 customers, including us, at Linode. Support the show. Go to linode.com slash 5 by 5 and use the promo code 5 by 5 for a $10 credit. If you were paying attention, Hattie, you knew that Linode offers a two gigs of RAM uh, server for only 10 bucks. I do know that. So using the code 5 by 5 would nullify the $10 charge. You're basically getting your, your first month free if that's what you did. So it's a good way to start. It's the best way to start. Lino.com slash 5 by 5 supports the show. Code 5 by 5 when you sign up for $10 credit. Go check them out. Thanks very much. All right, next up. You're going to laugh when you hear this uh, title of this article, but it's a fantastic article in, on a website called Price... Anomics. <laughs> I like the title of it. Are rotisserie chickens a bargain? I love a good rotisserie. Are rotisserie chickens... <laughs> Hattie, I think you and I just alone support our local Whole Foods. Of rotisserie chickens. We just... We keep their doors open in the amount of rotisserie chickens yeah, that we get from the them. the rotisserie chicken guy, like, knows us. Yeah. He'll, like, go... He'll see me, and he'll be like, oh, I have, like, the super burnt one in the yeah, back. Let me go like get it. Ones. I'm like, yeah. How often do y'all eat rotisserie chickens? I would say three to four times a week minimum. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's at work. At home, I have another one for the weekend. It's lunch. I couldn't do that. Lunch. You could. Three to four times a week? Yeah, it's good. You could have chicken with rice. You could have chicken with potatoes. You could have sweet potatoes. You could have carrots. Asparagus, cauliflower, chicken on chicken, chicken. Is that a millennial thing? Yeah, it's a millennial thing. (laughs) Just a lot of chicken. (laughs) So, a typical supermarket, it will cost seven or eight dollars. It says right here that that is what the price point is: seven or eight dollars, which is the same as a fresh whole chicken in the refrigerator case, but. You would say, well, the they're cooking it. They're also putting the herbs and the spices the and getting it all ready. They're doing the I don't want to do. Right. <laughs> and they're, so they ask the question, why is the rotisserie chicken so cheap? And they have the one theory that rotisserie chickens are about to pass the sell-by date. That's mm. what it is. They're about uh, to pass the sell-by date. And, and so, so they're, like, they, Quick, let's they're like, well, we don't want to throw these out. So you know what? We'll cook them. And then another theory, their life. another theory is, well, they're, they're a loss leader. And what that means is that they, 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 will, they will sell them at a price where they're losing money, taking a loss, but this will lead to other sales in the store. So they know, just like we were saying about Target, you come in to get your rotisserie chicken, but we know you're going to get this other thing. That's, you know, you're going to get that, whatever it is. <laughs> uh. That's true, but the stores are generally not losing money on them. Neither scenario, the article says, tells the real story, which is this. In most stores, the cooked chickens aren't any cheaper. They just look cheaper. The per chicken price favors the deli counter, but the per pound price favors the refrigerator case. So they did tests. They got 14 chickens to do all this. And then they they broke it down by price. I'm going to reveal that to you. But have you ever wondered about the history of, of the rotisserie chicken or where that started? Never. Never? Well, I'm going to... I'm gonna. <gasps> but I'm interested now. I'm already excited because I used to love this place. Boston Market. I love Boston Market. It's still around. Market. It's not gone. There's one over there on Breaker. Boston Market. I remember when this came out. You could go and you could get these rotisserie chickens. Their macaroni and cheese was At, at Boston bomb. Market. It was. Have you ever been to a Boston Market? No. Oh, so good. They, they, this is a, it was a restaurant and you could get, and most of it, I think eventually it became all takeout. Like I don't think people like were in there. It was like hot food, but it was good hot food. Like and you it could was go like, there and you could get like. You could get like a, a protein. It felt like a home cooked meal. Yes. It wasn't that good. Yeah, but, it was, I liked it. But it wasn't as was good as your mom made. I was 10 years old, so everything it wasn't as good was as amazing. <laughs> but you could get like, like green beans. It was like macaroni and, and cheese, green beans and chicken. That's why I got. So. Anyway, they started. Selling these things, 
And then I think Costco got in on this and started selling their own rotisserie chickens. And they kept their prices down $4.99 for a rotisserie chicken. Everyone else is raising their price to $5.99. So even if it meant Costco lost a dollar, they knew they knew they were going to be a loss leader for them. That's where this whole rotisserie chicken thing came from. I like how they list Albertsons on here. I haven't seen oh, Albertsons. I love Albertsons. I know, me too. I grew up with it. Same. But it, it actually breaks it down and it says that rotisserie chickens are a little bit on the small side. Even after they've been cooked, if you were to buy a regular chicken and cook it, that it wouldn't be Size quite as compare. small yeah. as the uh, as the, the rotisserie chicken. But what they did is they they asked the question: Is rotisserie chicken a bargain? So here's how it, how it works: If you were to cook a chicken at home, if you got the, a chicken from Albertsons, two dollars and eighty nine cents you'd save for making the chicken at home. Two dollars and sixty six cents if you got it from a place called Wholesome Choice. Never heard of it. But in some cases, like Costco and Whole Whole Foods, you only save 87 cents by making it yourself. Costco, you lose 15 cents by making it yourself. <laughs> I the, the reason that I bring this up, and the reason, oh, look at that chicken, his eyes, like, I know, he's, he's sleepy. Like, he's like, or she. I'm so over this. The reason I bring this up, <laughs> the reason I bring this up is, you know, every day, Hattie, we're going buy, buying these chickens. Yeah. And I went and I looked and I said, okay, what if I were to just buy like my, I like the dark meat of yeah. the chicken. It, I like the, the, I guess it's the thigh with the leg and then the wing. Yes. That's what I want from these things. The rest of it, boy, these things we, you know, we spend these money, all this money on these. So I want to get the, the leg and whatever. And for me, the amount of time it would take to go and buy like a whole bunch of the chicken right. legs, season them, cook them in a pan, like that's a that's an ordeal. I barely time. have enough time to do any of that. So like you're saving time by by doing this. And and this is what again, we talked about the credit card thing. This is what gears our entire like philosophy on the show is that services products and services that save us time the one currency maggie that we cannot get more of is time that i'm willing to spend money to get to buy the time back right that's what i that's what i do that's what i'm all about hence fast food and everything that's right but you gotta have limits the one thing that saves you time when it comes to things like like this like eating is uh is uh, our, our second sponsor it's soylent Soylent. Soylent. Soylent is a line of nutritionally complete convenient foods. All Soylent products are carefully engineered to be affordable, satisfying meals offering maximum nutrition with minimum effort. They have a new version of Soylent, Soylent Drink 2.0. In every bottle of this Soylent, you'll get 20% of all daily macro and micronutrition requirements, 400 calories, 20 grams of protein, which is as much as a, isn't a typical it's like a protein protein shake, shake. Yeah. low glycerin index rating, which means low glycemic. Sorry, which means it's not uh, doesn't have too much sugar, and the carbs that are in it are derived from uh, sugar to beetus. <laughs> sugar beets, sugar beets, which is uh, gives you sustained energy without the peaks or crashes of refined sugar. You got healthy fats from something called algal oil, which is sustainable, and no animal products. It is recognized by the FDA as a food, which is, a, I think, a big plus. Yep. It is a meal in a bottle. <laughs> what they say is it's not a diet replacement. So you shouldn't, they're not encouraging you to drink it for 100% of your meals. It's not for weight loss. You can manage weight with it because you know exactly how many calories, exactly right. how much protein, all that. Uh, but they say that it is a nutritionally complete meal. It's not like a protein shake. This is a meal. Right. You can get this on Amazon. You can get it at Soylent.com. And I recommend Soylent.com. Why? Because if you go to Soylent.com slash 5 by 5 you'll get your first case 50% off when you start the, getting your regular subscription of the Soylent. So go to Soylent.com slash 5 by 5 and you're going to get 50% off your first case. We actually had a, got a case here and uh, we gave it, we wanted uh, Maggie to try it. Yep, I took it home. So she took it home and she drank the Soylent and consumed it as a meal. 
She did. And what did it? What did you feel like afterwards? Did you feel like you'd eat, eaten a complete meal? Yeah, it really. It fills you up. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I, I just started going to the gym, so mm-hmm. I are like, you using it like an after gym yeah, workout kind yeah. of a snack. It's soylent was made for people like me. Yeah, you know how so? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I'm, I'm the kind of person who I don't want to think about what I'm going to eat until I am hungry. And then I'll go get something from a fast food restaurant or pick something up like a rotisserie chicken. Right. Probably right. not a rotisserie chicken. Mm. But, you know, <laughs> I want something. You could save 18 cents if you made it at, at home. <laughs> I don't want to have to plan ahead. I want right. something that I know is going to. Now. I want it to fill me up. And, I, you know, I want it to be easy. Um, yep. And that's exactly what Soylent has been for me is fast and easy and predictable and um I'll I'll, eat, I'll drink one, eat one. It is food. Right. It is food. <laughs> so you are technically eating it's it. It's food that you drink. Right. Food that you drink. Yeah. They can run with that. That's well, there. They can that have drink. that. Yeah, food that you drink. Well, they're making uh, bars now. I just saw that go by on Instagram ads. So it's Soylent sort of bars. the same thing, but formulated as a bar. That's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I don't think those are on sale, though, yeah. with uh. our thing. And but. they have a, a coffee one, too. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Which I'm interested to try. Nice. Well, go to Soylent.com slash 5 by 5 and 50% off your first uh, subscription. I got more links for you guys right here. Why is that one in there? Okay. So, uh, Ryan Carson, who I've met, talked with a few times, started a company called Treehouse. He started about six years ago. And Treehouse is one of these websites that does what I would call in the old days screencasts, right? Videos that teach you stuff. And they had code all around this and they are had really, really good, well, they have, I shouldn't, shouldn't say it past tense, they're still here. But they have students who would go there and learn from this and be like, okay, I want to learn how to code or I want to learn how to do this and whatever. And they'd go and sign up, pay some money and uh, boom, they're... Uh, they're, they're learning stuff. Well, what happens is, he says, listen, listen to what he says. I think they took a bunch of money. He says, talks about how they trained 600,000 students have been enrolled, 500 courses. He says, I've now decided it's time to strengthen the foundation of Treehouse. This means it's time to stop spending more than we make each month. Let me say that again. Let me read that back to you. <laughs> It's time to stop spending more than we make each month. When you hear that, when you <laughs> right, hear it that, sounds time ridiculous. You would say, well, duh. <laughs> but in the world of startups, they want you to, to spend, 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 spend. Isn't that called burn, burn rate? Burn rate. But eventually, that, that has to change. Now, I don't know the whole story on Treehouse. I don't know. Why do they want you to spend? Because because they want to see that this the money that you've taken that you're actually not just sitting on it you're spending it you're growing the company you're producing products you're out there in the industry and that's supposed to then be rewarded so by be like people who then start generating more rev- revenue and and buying your stuff but they want you to spend that money you're not supposed to be like oh man we just got a million dollar investment cool put it in the let's, bank <laughs> let's not touch it let's take this slow no they <laughs> want they want you to start hiring and getting offices right, and, and advertising and. But here he continues, the shift in strategy means we've had to make some really tough choices. We want to be as transparent about this as possible with our team, and I've informed them that we'll be reducing the size of the team. I care about every single one of our people, so this has been a very tough decision. So they let a bunch of people go. But they're still running the company, it's still going. He says, to our students and business partners, you shouldn't expect anything to change. You'll still get the best quality content and instruction you've come to expect from Treehouse. The future of Treehouse is very bright. The grand we, ground we stand on is solid, and I'm very excited about our future. Ryan, I know Ryan. I like Ryan. But I've got, I've got to respond to this when I saw this, and I just I thought to myself, you're, you're saying two different things to me, maybe three. On the one hand, you're saying we're spending more, and again, I don't, I don't know if they took investment. I think they must have. You're saying we've been spending more than we've been making. You, they've also been saying, when, and then, then he also says, and we're firing a whole bunch of people, but everything's perfect. Everything's great. Don't worry about anything. You're still going to get all the same stuff you've always got. 
Well, when I hear that, I say, well, what, did, well, how? what were those people doing right. then? If you could afford to fire them, why did you have to hire them? Did you hire them just because you were supposed to spend money? Then that makes me doubt. That. So anyway, Ryan's a good guy. I want to talk to him about it. If I ever do another episode of Quit, I've got to get him on here to, t- to explain this. That's true. Because as a layman, I don't understand that. I would say, well, what were those people doing? Because that's basically like a credit card. Like, what do you mean you're spending more than you actually have in your bank account? I'm not going to no. lie. I've, I've run <laughs> businesses where for one reason or another, we spent more in a month than we made. Or I've had a down year here and there. But it was, you know... It, it, I want to know what's going on. I want to know why. It, he it talks about transparency. Consistent. Ryan, come on the show and tell me why. Come talk to me. Ryan, how to get Ryan on the show? Ryan. No, I mean like <laughs> set it up. Because I want to talk to him. But this is, it's fascinating to me. But I always thought rule number one of business was make more than you spend. Ryan, he's got such a, he's a, he's a dad. He's an entrepreneur. Ryan, come on the show. You think he'll come on? If I ever do another one, yeah. I will do another episode if he comes if on. If Ryan's it. on, I'll work on it. Okay. Maggie, let's get on it. My next article is uh, is actually not an article. It's just a post on Twitter uh, by J.K. Rowling. Is that you say that's how I'm supposed to say it? It is Rowling. Rowling. And somebody tweeted to her and said, what if the passionate writer is broke and can't afford a MacBook Air and did the mm. happy face with the little me? I call it like the mm. slanty mouth, where you're like mm. me. Yeah. Mm. That one, yeah, that. And her response is, "I wrote the first two potters by hand and typed them on a ten-year-old typewriter. All a writer <laughs> needs is talent and ink. And this is the if there's one takeaway right. from a hundred episodes of Quit is just <laughs> Listen, shut up and work." Rolling. <laughs> Yep. Shut up and work. She sums up 100 Stop episodes of Quit in one tweet. Right. Well, I can't write until I get my MacBook right, Air. I'm sorry. And I can't, you know, I already have MacBook Air, but it's old. So I'm going to need a new one. Yeah. Like, no. Just start doing it. Just start doing it. Why Why are people... Preparing all- to prepare to, to prepare to prepare to do something. Expl- I mean, is that a... That's not a millennial thing. That goes back to the big dawn of time. Yeah, that's just procrastinating. <laughs> right? Yeah, what's that little video? The Get my stuff done. Yeah. I'm looking it up right now. It's called Procrastination. It's and I, I'm gonna I'll play ever. a little clip of it. It's by Lev Yilmaz, and I'll put it in the show notes. It's called Procrastination. It's a little stick this figure morning, drawing. I got up and got ready quickly because I had to get a lot of stuff done. I sat down at my desk to start getting my stuff done and I spilled my coffee, so I got a sponge to clean it up and I figured I'd take an extra minute to clean the whole desk because a clean desk would help me get my stuff done. When I was finished, I realized I hadn't eaten anything and I didn't want to be hungry while I got my stuff done, so I went into the kitchen and I was out of cereal. When I got to the grocery store, I remembered (laughs) a bunch of other crap I needed to get, and I figured I was already there, so I did my shopping for the week so I didn't have to worry about it while I got my stuff done. When I got home, I didn't feel like cereal anymore, and so I made an omelet and I did the dishes so I wouldn't have to do them after I got my stuff done, and then I went out to get some oil from the hardware store because my desk chair is kind of squeaky and I didn't want to be distracted (laughs) by a squeaky chair while I got my stuff done. When I got back, it was getting kind of late, and I knew I wouldn't be able to get my stuff done today, so I started watching the Twilight Zone marathon on TV. (laughs) I just have to make sure I get to bed early, because I want to be well-rested tomorrow so I can get my stuff done. All right. It's the best ever. Yeah, I mean, and how true is that? J.K. Rowling wrote two two Harry Potter books by hand (laughs) and typed them on a 10-year-old typewriter. There 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 are no barriers for you. There are no barriers. No. Especially not if, if you're a writer and you just need to do something. Like you go to the library. Right. Like there's no excuses. What, are, what excuses are in your life right now that are keeping you from doing the thing that you want to do? You know what I'm saying? What is that? Think of it right now and say to yourself, that thing that I really want to do, what's keeping me? Well, oh, it's me. It's me. Yeah, <laughs> that's the answer. Yeah. Okay, here's another thing that is you you must have put this in here Did from I? Tracy Chow Cho. She uh it is a uh about uh RSVPing. Oh yeah, I just like little etiquette things Tell and me how what to this, respond what is to this? different people and um it says more adulting wisdom. 
Uh, this is when somebody says something to you. Hey, do you want to go and do this or invites you to something? They said never say maybe. That is like the worst thing you can mm. say. So you can say your option A is yes. Your option B is no. Your option C is gosh, that sounds wonderful, but please let me check my schedule and then get back with uh, to them within 24 hours with option A or with option B. Those are your only, those are the only choices. Um, it says, you'll notice that there was no option D, say maybe, because maybe says many things, none of them flattering. Perhaps if I go, uh, I'll go if nothing better comes up between now and then, or your invitation isn't important enough for me to decide one way or another. So I just thought that was really interesting. And if you... If you cut maybe out of your vocabulary, I think that that would help everybody. Yeah. We're all just too vague. Yeah. We don't like to commit. No, no. one does. <laughs> I think this is a, a, is a really neat little, you know, this is one of those things where someone has a lot to say on Twitter, so they have to post a, an image of it. But this also, also reminds me of one of the other topics I'd thrown out to you, Hattie, where I said, write this one down. Yep. Write this one down. Do you remember what that was? I do. This and, is uh, don't give fake reasons. Right. And this is this is the thing I hear this all the time. When somebody doesn't want to do something, instead of just saying, oh, no, no, thank you. Thank you so much for the offer. Oh, I'd love and, to, but I can't. I'd love to, but I can't do that. Or, no, that's really not my thing. Polite pass, you know, whatever. Those are perfectly fine. What I don't like is when somebody comes up with a, uh, with a fake reason, reason that is sounds really true <laughs> might even have a seed of truth to it but in reality is complete crap and because to, like, when i hear that i'm very good at detecting that and you'll call them out that's one of your favorite things to do <laughs> yeah, too. yeah like oh I, i'd love to but i just i don't have my car here oh well because then the person can get you out of that situation oh well, i'll drive you and you're like ah. you know don't <laughs> right. give an option that People it's are not very, the real reason. People are very afraid to say no. To say right. no. They're very afraid to say no and not have it be like a reason other than or if preference. I say no, right. If I say no just because I don't want to go, I'm a horrible person. Right. And I think people put that on themselves. And I think that a lot of people feel like they have to give an excuse because they don't think what they feel is worth it. Yeah. Like I'll be you know, chilling at home, maybe marathoning something that I've been wanting to marathon <laughs> for a long time. And a, a friend will invite me out. Some Maggie time. Yeah. I can't, it's, it's not common to just be like, oh, I don't want to go. I want to stay home alone and do nothing. Right. I want to sit in my pajamas and not see another person. <laughs> because that might offend the other, the person right. inviting. Right. Right. So where, and, and that's, so how do you say that's no? Politeness. That's politeness. <laughs> right. Right. Because you're thinking. Etiquette. Right. I, this is a friend. I don't want to say no if it's something that, that they, they want to spend time with me. I'm thrilled that someone likes me enough to want to spend time with me. And now I'm just going to like piss all over their idea. No, I don't want to do that. But, but, also, but it has to sound, it has to sound. But see, there, there is an, un, there is cert, kind of like an understood thing that like if somebody says, uh, oh no, you know, I'm, 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 I have such and such to do that the other person is supposed to take that as a, as a hint that they don't really want to they go. To, right. And then they're supposed to respond politely by saying, oh, oh, of course, of course. Yeah, I understand you have to wash your cat. That's, you know, perfectly valid <laughs> right. thing to do on a, you know, Saturday evening. So, right. uh, of course, don't, don't worry. Don't think twice about it. It's, it's not like someone saying, hey, come to my wedding. Oh, where, where are you having it? Oh, it's in the Bahamas. Can you come to the wedding? I'm sorry. I, I like, I can't come to your wedding. You don't. <laughs> You don't need to say, oh, you know, I'd love to. However, the cost of traveling, right. the time off work. And, and I'll uh, be away from my dogs. Right. I'll be away from my dogs because and then the rest of my family. Because then that other person can solve all the. Right. If you your problem to, is sorry, solvable. I'm sorry. I can't do it. Right. I'm sorry. I can't yeah. do it. Well, I would just love bring to, your dogs love with you. I'd love to be there, but. I'll, I'll pay for your ticket. Right. Like, you know what? <laughs> I, right. I have when a dog. When you really just don't want right, to go. Right. When you really right. just don't want to go. And. And, and that's why you should save those reasons for other things. There was a situation, I'll tell the story. I won't identify the people. But at one point, we had, I think I've told this story before. One time, we had office mates. We had an office that was too large. We subleased part of it out. And they uh, they wanted to go and get their own office. Now, but for what it's worth, I'm still very good friends with these people. I, I look back on the situation as a humorous thing. So do they. 
it's is not a problem. However, we uh, they said, oh, you know, instead of coming out and saying we want to go get our own office because we want to go time. get our own office. Right. It's time for us. Now, by the way, they have grown. They have a dozen employees now. They needed to do they it. They needed to, right. They I needed to do it. Absolutely. They were exploding out of the edges of the office right. that we had given Right, <laughs> But they said, well, we, we, we love the location. We love being here. Everything is great. It's affordable, blah, blah, blah. However, we're too big for this room. Now, meanwhile, we didn't have that many employees my response was to say, you know what? We can you shift take around. the rest of the office. We'll, we'll take the little room. Didn't matter to me. In fact, it was better acoustically and it stayed cooler in the day. That's true. So I was fine with that. So let's go in there. Because you were just trying to be ply and solve a problem. Right. You didn't. You thought, oh, my friends who I've given a space so here. Who I'd love to right. work with. Want to help them out. And I do want to keep them here. Yeah. We were on month to month with that right. place, so we could move out whenever we wanted, and we did wind up moving out, but it wasn't a big deal. Right. But I just wanted to, like, you guys don't have to move. It sounds like you really like you it. You wanted to accommodate I'll, I'll them. solve yeah. your problem here. So we actually moved everything all around in the whole place. We moved everything around, and but but that wasn't the real reason. Even after we satisfied their only complaint that they had, which was, yeah, we're just busting out of that room, sorry. Oh, well, how about this? There's no way you'll fill up all that other space. This room, the the big room, was they still huge. wound up leaving and going right. to get their own place, which is fine. And they, but they knew they were going to do it. They knew they wanted to do it, and that's that's what happened. They went yeah. and did their own their, their own space, and it worked out well for them. They've been thrilled, and they needed it. Why not just say, "I think it's just time for us to get our regular space." I, as a business person, would understand a business decision to go and get. Of course, you know what? I think a lot of things are. They didn't want to disappoint us. They well, didn't want to, you know. Also, it was nice, but I think people are not used to other people being honest and direct. And so if you hear someone say, I think it's just time we get our other space, that can't that can't be the reason why they want that. They must not like me or think uh, something weird is going on. You know, like it's always, you, you put more meaning onto it, even though somebody might be being honest and direct. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Let me tell about 10 to 8, Hattie. 10 to 8? Isn't this a door song? Maybe. Well, let me tell you about it. And then you tell me if it's a door song. Okay. 10 to 8. You know what? No, it's not a door song. It's a professional appointment scheduling software system. They did. There's a recent study that found that well-run businesses that take appointments have a daily average of 20% no-shows and last-minute cancellations. Think about that. Jill across the street, how she's always doing the, these appointments. We call her Magic Twi- Jill. 20% of the time, no-shows and last-minute cancellations. The gym we go to, 20% no-shows, last-minute cancellations. That's crazy. That's lost money. 10 to 8 has built the complete solution to manage this schedule with no stress. It helps uh, people like therapists, uh, private tutors, personal trainers, doctors, even larger teams in the medical and the public sector And what's special about it is it gives you access to your daily schedule along with client conversations all in one place. Mm. So they send SMS reminders automatically. You can jump in with a personal note to like build your client relationships so that no shows are reduced to one in 100. They also have professional online booking page so your clients can book free slots directly without needing to like call you and wait for a call back. That's cool. And imagine real estate agents could use this thing. Um, so why not give 10 Day to Spin today? It takes less than five minutes to set up. And they have a forever free plan for small businesses. Pretty cool. So you got nothing to lose. Enter the code QUIT at sign up and you'll get two-way sync with your external calendars for free. So this means after something is set up in there, it'll know when you're busy based on your other calendars. And when you have something scheduled here, boom, pushes it out to it. This couldn't be better. That's it. So visit 10 to 8, and it's the numbers, the number 10, T-O-8, 10-T-O-8.com slash quit, and you'll get that two-way sync, which you got to have that. You've got to have that. You've got to have it. So start reducing your admin and focus on doing what you love. Thanks very much to 10 to 8 for supporting the 100th and final episode, or maybe not, of quit. <laughs> I got one last thing I want to say something about. And that is big news for listeners of this show. GitHub. GitHub 
along with Zappos, came out and said, you know what we're going to do? We're getting rid of bosses, man. Hey, man, we don't need bosses. See ya. Peace out, dude. Like, you can work on what you want to work on. This is the CEO. You can work on what you want to work on whenever you want to work on it. And if you want to work on something else, you just do it, man. You just do it. I'm if just you- picturing you as Jack from Sideways. Oh. Jack. Jack. <laughs> okay, dude. Uh, and basically, that's that's what they did. They 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 got rid of the hierarchy. They said, "There, that's it." Well, guess what? Now, bosses back running the company again. A hierarchy back running the company. Interesting. What so it was a six, a six year experiment in self government. They said it came up short. Weinstrath, the company uh, CEO, he said the switch, uh, his co-founder left, and he said the switch, he said what happened was uh, that, and they did this, they did this uh, after six years, okay, but he basically said that just it didn't work. He says, without even a minimal layer of management, it was difficult to have some of those conversations, meaning talking about camaraderie and know who they should direct questions to and what about an uncomfortable confrontation? What about their own performance? They said it was difficult to have some of those conversations and get people feeling like they understood what was expected of them and that they were getting the support they needed in order to do their best work. Well, duh. We have corporate hire. I'm not a big fan of the corporate world or being a corporate stooge but we have hierarchies because they work right at least in some regards (laughs) human beings don't like to admit that they need sometimes they need a leader they need to be led they need to be shown they need a structure people like we don't need that man of course we need it it's built into who and what we are as human beings and there's nothing wrong with that gary vaynerchuk says something really cool he says you know what most of you here in my audience, he's talking to the people in the room. Most of you are not CEOs and will not be good CEOs if you become a CEO. You, you probably shouldn't start your own company and you probably won't do a good job of running it. But you know what you can be? You can be an amazing number two in right. a billion dollar company. You can be the second right. or third in charge of a billion dollar company that somebody else is going to run and you'll be happier because you'll be doing what you like and the person who is actually good at being in charge will be in charge. There's nothing wrong with being a billionaire number two. Right, you're still a billionaire. (laughs) And that's what people need to take away from this. You know, I I just... (sighs) Yeah, I don't know how it went on so long for six years. That's a long time. Evan Williams, who was a founder of Twitter, started Medium using the holacracy, which is what it's called, where you employees can, they can take initiative. Oh, and do their own projects. And do their own thing. But this became unwieldy, said Andy Doyle, head of operations. Coordinating between teams was more time consuming. Newcomers were put off by the idea of working in such a radical corporate atmosphere. It lasted longer than Google's experiment with this. Google abandoned it after just a few months. <laughs> Well, nothing about Google, everything about Google is so structured, like even their apps and everything else. So like, why would their internal structure work if there was none? That doesn't make any sense. There's a quote here from uh, Avalos, who was uh, one of the first hundred people who joined, which company is this? I guess GitHub's still there talking about because they talk about a bunch of them in here, sorry. And uh, and they said, the risk of startup culture is that you fetishize the early culture and get committed to a set of practices that eventually outlive their usefulness. That's actually a quote from Catherine Turco, an associate professor of work at organization at the MIT Sloan School of Management. Valve has the same thing going on. They receive a handbook explaining the merits of corporate flatland where no one has a boss and employees are free to greenlight their own projects. That's why we've uh, all enjoying our copy of Half-Life 3 and Portal 3 right about now, right? Thanks, mm-hmm. Valve. You need. I'm sorry. I'm a, I, as much as I hate the corporate stooge world, Maggie, 
I am a fan of having a hierarchy there of some kind. There still needs to be a structure and there still You don't need to have, to have right. a, a, a structure of a billion people all right. reporting to everyone else with lines all over the place. But to know, okay, I have this person who's in charge and making smart decisions and who's going to be good at their job. That's that's where you're running the problem because no one is good at that job in middle management. They all suck. Yeah. I wonder what the structure was for that company. GitHub, how they yeah. set it all up. I mean, if there's no hierarchy, is there any structure for collaboration? Right? I think you just like, want to work on something. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's confusing to me. Well, we got to go. It's over an hour and uh, we got to bug out. This is our last episode of Quit ever. Maybe. Forever. Maybe. Maybe. Unless Forever. Ryan don't Carson maybe. comes back. Yeah, I don't say maybe. Unless if if you <laughs> can get Ryan Carson, then I'll do another episode. It's on you to do it. Now, here's what's going to happen, Maggie. Tuesday, or Wednesday of next week, I'll be like, "Hey, hi, did you get Ryan Carson?" She'll be like, "Oh, right, no, I was just gonna. I just had an email open for it's that. Open. It's just on. It's open. I haven't sent it. I haven't sent it yet. I've written half of the sentence right. that I want to send. So, if you guys don't have, if you don't hear an episode of Quit next week, you can contact Hattie. She's on Twitter at Hattie Bird. H <laughs> A D D I E Bird. Yep. So ping her there if you want another episode of Quid, if you want Ryan Carson. Or just send me an angry Snapchat or something. Yeah, right. I don't know. Uh, Maggie has no social accounts. We didn't get to talk that today, so we'll have her back again if we ever do a show to (laughs) talk about that. Maybe on another show. And I'm at Dan Benjamin on Twitter. They verified me. Oh, I have to turn in my form. Now I'm I'm legit. Congratulations. Yeah, I feel different. Thirsty. But that's it. That's all we got. <laughs> Not the millennial definition of thirsty. So you, no. So you can go to 5x5.tv slash quit slash 100 to see the show notes, the uh, stuff that we talked about, read more about the articles. And uh, that will do it for 100 episodes of Quit. Thanks for listening. <laughs>